Welcome to season three of the Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. My name is Amy Wheeler and I'm your host. We are so happy to tell you all that's happening in the world of yoga therapy. And we love to find guests from all over the world so that we can share and learn and grow together. Some of the things that are happening in season three that we find so exciting is that not only are we continuing with the free gift that we are giving out every single week in season two, and you can see more about that in the show notes, but now we are adding a YouTube channel and you can see all of these podcasts on video. The YouTube channel is called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. Some people like to watch video maybe you want to use it for one of your trainings these videos on youtube will be there for you to use for free we would love your support we have opened up a patreon page that is going to help the podcast flourish and grow you can help us to expand and grow and create more content for you and we'd love for you to visit the patreon page which is called optimal state and yoga therapy hour podcast so let's go into our guest today and please nourish yourself take time for yourself and really relax into listening to the podcast welcome Lori highland robertson thank you for being with us today thank you so much amy it's great to be with you as always Lori, you are the editorial director for IAYT, which means that you edit Yoga Therapy Today, but you're also part of the conference organizing team for, is it both SITAR and SYR, Symposium on Yoga Research, or is it only the SITAR conference? I help out with both. I'm probably more involved in the Symposium on Yoga Therapy and Research, the practitioner conference. So let's just talk for a minute. We, we have two annual conferences per year with the International Association of Yoga Therapists. The one in early summer, which this year is June 9th through 11th, just outside Chicago, that's called SITAR, the Symposium of Yoga Therapy and Research. And that one is more for practitioners. Tell me a little bit more, just so I can get in my head, what the difference is between these two conferences. Right. SITAR is more for yoga therapy professionals and other kinds of yoga professionals, as well as integrative health professionals who might be using yoga in their practices or who might be interested in using yoga in their practices. So that's kind of our, our annual member homecoming, if mm -hmm. you will. And then the Symposium on Yoga Research, which typically happens in the fall, that one is more for yoga researchers, student researchers, we are increasingly having yoga therapists and other kinds of yoga professionals and integrative health professionals attending that one as well, but it is much more research oriented. So that's very exciting. I think that, that more people are getting plugged into that world and that work, but that one is much more research oriented. So you'll see presentations of the latest research on yoga. The symposium on yoga research, the one that's held in the fall each year, this year, it's October 17th through 19th, 2022, and that's at Kripalu. And one of the reasons I love that one is Kripalu in the fall of the year on the East Coast is just so, so beautiful. So today we're going to be talking about sitar. 
tuck that into your your mind that you might want to think about scheduling October 17th through 19th, 2022 at Kripalu Symposium on Yoga Research. So back to Sitar, which is June 9th through 11th, just outside Chicago this year. It's the first time we're coming back together in two years, although there will be an online option also for those people who are not wanting to travel. And the kind of overall theme, the big idea for this year's conference is inclusion and belonging and wanting to hear so many different perspectives, perspectives on clinical care, different approaches to yoga therapy, different traditions, lineages. I love that, that we're really embracing all the different ways that yoga therapy can be offered and all the different perspectives on yoga therapy. I I love that. Is there anything else you'd like to tell us about that, Lori? Yeah, that really sums it up. It's it, This conference is such a wonderful opportunity to get outside of your own perspective and see what else is out there, see what else is being done, see how other people are practicing yoga therapy and what they're bringing to their practices, what background they have, because we all have different backgrounds. Many of us did something else. Mm-hmm. before we came to yoga therapy. So it's a chance to get to, to meet folks from different backgrounds and see how they're applying yogic practice to their work. So I think it's just an invaluable educational opportunity, but also an opportunity for connection with these different folks, right? We all have different backgrounds, but there's that central idea of using yoga as therapy that we all have and that we're all passionate about. So, And, you know, even though I think we each have kind of a preference for the tradition that we've landed in or the way that we like to practice at these conferences, I am always getting nourished by the newest ideas out there and things that I never thought of that can inform how I want to practice. So, you know, it's kind of like getting the latest trends, getting, out of your own box and whatever you discover once you come out of your little box, it actually kind of nourishes you and informs you to move ahead with some new threads in your tapestry. Beautiful. And that's yoga, right? Mm. Shining a light on how our perceptions are limited. That's right. This is, this is an incredibly positive way of doing that, but that's yoga practice. I love what you just said. We, we start thinking our way is the way, the only way, the best way. And I really love meeting people from all over the world and discovering all the different ways there are to do yoga therapy and that they're all valid. It's just preferences, right? So we have some amazing keynote speakers. We have Marshawn Feltis, who is an activist and He's actually going to observe us, if I understand this correctly, you can, you can correct me if, if you need to, but he's going to observe us as a community over a couple of days at the conference and then feed back to us what he sees in us. Is that kind of the summary? Because to me, that is a really innovative, interesting keynote. 
I think so. You know, the way Marshawn likes to work is that he draws inspiration from his immediate surroundings, which in and of itself is, is a lesson we can all observe how that's happening, how he's doing that, taking in information and then reflecting it back. So I think that that is, is what is going to happen. He's a very dynamic speaker mm. and just so inspirational. So I don't really know what to expect from Marshawn. I love that uh, part though. Isn't that so right? fun to be like, yeah. Whoa, what's going to happen? It's That's whatever so it cool. is, it's going to be valuable. And like you said, nourishing. Mm, yeah. And then we also have a keynote, Catherine Cook Catone, who's a psychologist and a yoga therapist. And she'll be talking about yoga therapy, embodiment, and pathways to healing. We have Adhana McCarthy, who's a yoga therapist, a U.S. Army major, and a physician assistant. I know her. She is such a lovely, lovely human being. And she's going to talk about uncovering opportunities in yoga therapy advocacy. So I'm really looking forward to that. She is so sharp. Do you want to say anything else about Adhana that you have observed? She is, like you said, she just is a wonderful person and so accomplished and so smart. And I think that for me, what I'm most looking forward to about her talk is that we get to hear how this smart, accomplished person with a really wide range of personal experience, how has this smart person navigated the U.S. military? And how is she managing to bring yoga therapy into a U.S. military healthcare facility? And so even though I'm not working in, in a military facility, you know that just hearing how her experience has gone and what she has been able to do and what she's learned from it, you know that that is going to be of value for all of us. So I'm really looking forward to her talk. Well, on that note, I am teaming up with Marlisa Sullivan, who is now working full-time for the Veterans Administration, and Allison Whitehead, who is one of the top level people in the Veterans Administration, kind of pushing yoga therapy forward. And the three of us are going to be giving a workshop on all the different ways that we can collect data to help support people in knowing just how amazing yoga therapy is. So whether it's official research, like academic research, there's certain ways to collect data for that. There are certain things that we can do for program outcomes, right? That we want to show the organization that the work that we're doing is actually having a positive impact and making a difference. So, so really looking at all the different ways we can collect data, some research, some program, you know, evaluation, but also just personal data. Like, do you want to get feedback on how your work is impacting people and use that to refine and transform how you do your work. So I'm really excited about that. We're going to be using some examples of research and program eval that we've been using with a researcher from the Veterans Administration. And I'm just really excited about that workshop that Marlisa Sullivan, Allison Whitehead, and myself will be doing. It kind of ties into Adhana's work. 
It does. And, and it, that's really one of the, the important practical pieces that I'm really glad that you're bringing to the conference. You know, we have to have ways of quantifying our work. And so I, it'll be really helpful to have your perspective on, you know, some really clear evidence-informed ways of collecting data, as you said, collecting outcomes, really practical, but also something that's going to be approachable for the average yoga therapist in the course of their practice. So I think that's going to be wonderful. You know, and that, that workshop theme came out of people coming to us, Allison, Marlisa, and myself saying, hey, can you help me do some research on my work without the understanding of all the different ways to collect data and, and how much effort that takes to do a formal peer-reviewed research study versus program evaluation versus feedback for how you're doing as a yoga therapist. So I think for a, a lot of people, that's going to be very clarifying to help them understand you know, where do I need to get more support when I collect this data versus what are the, the simple things I can do just to understand my own practice better? So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Thank you to you and the team for inviting Allison and Marlisa and I to do that. So let's talk a little bit about the logistics of the conference. It is June 9th through 11th, 2022, just outside Chicago at the Lincolnshire Marriott Resort. So that's where the in-person conference is going to be. But as I've said, you and the conference team have been working hard to also offer a track that is virtual. And it has almost the same content as the in-person conference, but at a reduced price and the ease of staying at home and still getting all the information. So. The in-person conference outside Chicago is $595. The virtual conference is $395. And I, whenever I pay those fees, I think of it not only for my own nourishment, but also as a gift to IYT to keep the field going. Those of us who, who can afford to give and support. It, it just feels good to know that IOIT is receiving that nourishment. And there are those of us who actually that's a whole lot of money and that isn't always possible to spend $595 or $395 for a conference. So what are the options for people who maybe need a discount of some sort, Lori? That's a great question. And yeah, these conferences are incredibly expensive just <laughs> as I'm delving in and becoming part of the support team and the planning team. IOIT is not raking in the profit on these. I can, I can promise you that. But it, as you said, it really is supportive for the organization. And so the organization in turn wants to support everybody who possibly can attend to do so. So as you said, there are discounts available for folks who are from countries identified by the World Bank as low or lower middle income. So those folks can access discounts. We also offer discounts for people of the global majority for whom a discount would be supportive. And you can check out the details of those on the registration page for the conference. And it's also right on the homepage. It's at the bottom of iayt.org slash sitar2022. 
So that's iayt.org slash S-Y-T-A-R 2022. And you'll find the information on the discount options at the bottom of that page. So that web address that you just gave is where people can really go and get a whole lot more information and specific details about the conference. And that's www.iayt.org slash sitar with a Y 2022. Well, thank you, Lori, for, for being here today and helping us understand the difference between the June conference, sitar, and the fall conference, which is much more focused only on yoga research, the Symposium on Yoga Research, often held at Kripalu. This year, it's October 17th through 19th. Thank Thanks, you. Amy. In today's podcast episode, I talked to Annika Sips from the Netherlands. She's a psychiatric nurse, and we kind of take a wave together as if we were surfing and allow ourselves to just be in the ocean and see where the wave takes us. And it's a really sweet conversation. I had the good fortune of being with Annika and some other friends in Japan for about three weeks back in maybe 2019, if I remember correctly. And one of the sweetest memories I have of her, and we, we really didn't know each other that well, and there was a group of us. So it wasn't like we were super, super close or connected at the time, but I had a knee injury. It was a torn meniscus and I was in a lot of pain. And if you've been to Japan, you know, it's all walking and going up and down stairs and cobblestone streets. So having a torn meniscus with a great big heavy suitcase was not ideal. <laughs> to say the least. And we were in one of the oldest temples in Japan. And every night I just felt like crying all night long because I was in so, so much pain. Didn't know I had a torn meniscus at the time. And we were in this temple and we were all lined up on our little futon mats. So imagine like 16 women, literally no space between each futon, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row. And it's the middle of the night and I'm sleeping and I'm trying to use my breathing to calm myself because the pain in my knee is so bad. And I feel these little fingertips on my toes. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's either a really big mouse or, or someone right next to me is touching my toes. And it was Annika giving me just a little bit of love in the middle of the night. She must have known I was hurting. So that's one of the sweet memories I have of she and I, and when we got to know each other. So in this episode, some of the highlights for me are talking about this idea of awareness as a yoga therapy tool, just becoming aware of what you're feeling, what you're thinking, what sensations are happening in your body that that's that cannot be overlooked. We shouldn't just like jump past that to get to the the postures and the breathing and the meditation. Like the awareness, the checking in with what is happening inside of me is a major part of yoga therapy. And I feel so strongly about this that we have created the Optimal State mobile app for iPhone and Android, which will be out 
for our beta testers in May, but probably for the general public a little closer to June. And basically, it's an awareness tool where you check in multiple times a day with what's happening in your gunas, Bata Pitta Kapha or Rajas Tamasattva. And it's a way for you to get to know you and understand how do I feel in the mornings? And is there anything I could do to feel better in the mornings? How do I feel in the middle of the night if I'm awake? How does the start of my workday differ from the end of my workday? These are all very important patterns to observe in ourselves and to use the ancient tools of of yoga and Ayurveda to have that self-awareness and monitoring is, it's just one of the biggest blessings of my life. So I'm really excited to share that new app with you. There's a free version and a paid version with a few more features. So in addition, we have a companion ebook called The Gold Zone that is also free. If you go to the website, it's www.goldzonebook.com. You can download this new book that I wrote. It took me four years to write it and you can just download it for free. So that is kind of the companion to the app. And if you want to know more about the app, you could go to the website, www.theoptimalstateapp.com. All right. So the awareness is something we talk about. And then we also get into this other area, which I think is so common for yogi type people. And that is that many of us came from a religious upbringing that didn't serve us, maybe harmed us, that maybe as adults, we don't connect to, maybe we never did connect to, but we're forced to do it. And we're kind of finding our way through what does religion and or spirituality mean to me now? And and how can I work with spirituality or religion or mother nature or whatever you want to call it to come home to myself and be supported and nourished and let go of self-doubt and basically have the waves of life support us instead of paddling so hard. Annika has this beautiful story towards the end of the episode about surfing and this realization that she had that is very deeply connected to her spirituality and her religious upbringing versus how she's viewing the support and nourishment that she's receiving from the universe now. So I think you'll enjoy it. And I welcome you to Annika Sips. I would like to introduce you to Annika Sips, and she just told me her last name is Sips, like two sips of tea, (laughs) which I think is sweet. Welcome, Annika. Hi. Thank you for having me. This is so great. Yeah. Wow. We're happy you're here, and you are from the Netherlands, and you're a Mm -hmm. community psychiatric nurse, which I can't wait to hear all about, but Mm -hmm. you've just moved 45 minutes from Amsterdam to the mm-hmm. ocean. Yes. And now you get to surf regularly. Yes. <laughs> That's true. So this this town is it's a city and it's called The Hague. 
and next to the Hague is Scheveningen. It's kind of the same thing, but that's where I live is next to the beach. And that's right. I started to surf again. Actually, I started 15 years ago and well, maybe I can also share a little experience later because it already gave me some really beautiful insight of things that I can use in my life during these first few surf experiences. So yeah, okay. but that's where I live right now. <laughs> and you've just taken a new job as a community psychiatric nurse. You've been nursing for decades, as I understand it. Yeah. But yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit about your history of being a psychiatric nurse and then also your new job. Yeah, well, the journey started when I was 18 years old. Then I went to nursing school and pretty fast I went into the hospital or like institute to, mm. to really work as a nurse as well. So I was studying and nursing at the same time. So I was really 19 years old when I started my first nursing job, like in a clinic, working with the older people, always psychiatry, because I was very clear from the beginning that psychiatry was my kind of nursing. I just actually wanted to work in psychiatry and nursing was the way of getting there. So I started when I was 18, 19, and now I'm 42, so quite some years. And over the time, my job changed because I, uh, yeah, like I said, I started clinical and working as a student. Then I graduated, had my first job, and I worked with adolescents who were in the clinic for the first time. So there was a lot of observation and diagnosis. And this is what I did for like seven years. And then working with the smaller kids. So first adolescents and the smaller kids, again, observation and diagnose. So all these kids came in, like there's issues. So I learned very well to, to look and observe a person and to look a person, like already then actually, to look at a person in different levels. So not only like, and especially in psychiatry, it's not only what's happening in the mind, but what's happening in people's lives and what's the family and the history and a school. And yet, like you, you look on a different, like all different perspectives to a person. And I continued my job like this until at some point I went back to school to learn, well, to learn just different skills that I wanted to work also in a different way. So I, I, I got some more papers and then I started to work, uh, I don't know how, yeah, the community psychiatric nurse. I think this is how, so first a regular psychiatric nurse and then a community psychiatric nurse. So I went to people's homes. Mm. So, so more into the communities and in people's houses, I went to visit them there. And then uh, I did this for a couple of years and then I, I moved. This is just all in a nutshell, right? And then I moved from Amsterdam to The Hague and that's where I am now. And I stopped working in psychiatry like a year, year and a half ago, but now I wanted to discover the city a little bit and uh, I thought it was a good idea to go work in doctor's offices. And actually it happened to, it came on my path a little bit. I was networking just with, uh, with some doctors that uh, friends of friends, they said, you need to meet them because uh, talk, talk about yoga therapy with them because they are holistic doctors. So I went there and they said, wow, this is, we have such a good connection and actually our nurse is missing. We need somebody in our practice. Is this something for you? And I was like, wow, <laughs> I don't know. It's not, you know, this is not the reason why I'm here, but I thought, well, I wanted to explore the city and, and, you know, get, ground myself a little bit in the city. So why not one day? And then another doctor's office was like, ah, great. Do you want some more work? I said, well, you know, why not? So now I'm in three doctor's offices. 
oh or three different days. So, and it's, it's really cool because I see a lot of patients a day, a little bit too many because <laughs> I'm, I'm used to, I used to work in my own practice as yoga therapist and I'm taking much more time and space. And now it's like, again, back into this system of like a, it's a little bit Excellent. too much sometimes yeah i feel very much honestly like a milk cow to be honest like it's really like i'm being drained <laughs> like it's like okay everything i have is going in there and like i'm squeezed like i'm squeezed at the end of the day and that's so i'm now finding my balance here where how can i do this so this the third one was already a temporary place so that's mm. good and i'm not going to add more so that will end in four weeks and for me, the balance is to do this two days a week and then the rest of the week, I'm just, you know, running my business and seeing my yoga therapy clients. And that's for me a perfect balance for now. Yeah. And but it's a very interesting because I, the people come to the doctor's office and one of my jobs is to, you know, to, to see what, like what kind of support they need. All the mental supports, all the people with any mental issues go to the doctor, the GP and the GP. Uh, sends them to me so I get all these people and then I you know I, I see them some observation and then we decide what is needed what you know what's going on I can also send them to other places and of course with many people I speak about yoga therapy they love it and I send them to or my my colleagues yoga therapist here in the city or to my own practice and it's, and a, it's very is nice yoga therapy covered under any kind of healthcare system or insurance or once they come from the GP where you've seen them, then do they have to pay privately out of pocket to meet with you or your colleague as a yoga therapist? Right now, yes. In this situation, yes. Because now my practice is this fully private practice. Mm. But before, when I was still in Amsterdam, I worked in the mental health service doing yoga therapy. And then they were, they were going into the mental health service and the, the care that they got was yoga therapy. So, but then it was covered. Yeah. But this was only possible because I'm an RN also. So right now the, the, the rules and regulations are like that, that you, you, know, you, you cannot uh, be covered at the moment for yoga therapy if, yeah, if, you, if you're not, let's say, uh, yeah, having another kind of role as well. And, and Annika, yeah. in that situation in Amsterdam, when they would refer kind of under their roof and get it paid for, was your scope of practice as a psychiatric nurse, a yoga therapist, or both? Or maybe you were under the scope of practice of nursing, but you were able to use some of the tools and techniques of yoga therapy. What, what was well, the situation? Of course. Well, it's always everything because I am everything, but officially on paper, I was a nurse. Mm. So, but then we worked with all nurses with special talents, let's say. Mm. So some were like art, superpowers. So my superpower is yoga therapy. But I also had colleagues who were psychologists or nurses mm. and they were art therapists or psychologists of nurses with other specializations, let's say. So people who came to me, they knew they were coming for yoga therapy. Mm. And actually it worked even the other way around because they found out about me and they went into therapy so that they could mm -hmm. get yoga therapy this way. So on the website, you could see Annika Sips yoga therapist. Mm. For the and insurance, it was an R, you know, then the RN was also important, of course. 
And did you get to spend enough quality time with them in that situation because the organization allowed you to? Definitely, yes. This that was uh, like one hour every session. Sometimes mm. I could do some longer sessions if necessary, but it, the normal time was one hour, and I could do this every week. I could do this for one year, and for sometimes two years. <laughs> so wow. there's there was a yeah there was a so for many many clients I've been seeing for many years on depending on what's necessary because I. I'm really uh, pro empowerment, so the, as little as needed, but also if needed or you know, it, and if it's possible, then it's also fine for many people. It's very also nice to learn how to create a relationship with somebody, especially working a lot with trauma and attachment issues. And sometimes it would take already two years, honestly, to just be together before there was a certain level of trust to go any deeper. So I was very happy to have that opportunity and we would also take that opportunity. So some people, I would did see them for two years and you know, and I, we knew there was a very complex trauma situation and you know, it would take some time before there was enough safety. And even now not working there anymore, Many of my clients, they, they went with me when I stopped working there in my own practice. So I still see them. So I wanted to, yeah. to just repeat what you just said, because you said two years to create enough safety to start doing the work. And that's been mm-hmm. my experience too, is, you know, cause I specialize in mental health also not as a psychiatric nurse, obviously, but, but literally just building enough trust to even tiptoe into the waters of healing can sometimes take two to three yeah, years. Definitely. And now I, I met a new woman only recently here in the new practice. And I feel that this is going to be the same kind of situation, but mm. this is my, my situation is different now because here I do not have one or two years. I do yeah. not have one hour. And I'm here temporary because it's on this day and I know it's going to end. And then I know that she has, a, she's a young woman. I know that she does not have the financial situation that she can afford to come to me. And I'm going to do it anyway, mm. because that's, I always have a few people in my caseloads that are not, yeah, they're not able to pay, but that's, that's okay because it's just necessary and I told her, like, I, I think you're, she's young, like she's 19. And I, I said, I think you're a person who needs some time, right? To trust people. And she said, yes. So I, I think this is going to be a situation like that. And the story she is telling, I have the feeling it's a very complex trauma uh, mm. case, well, but it will, it will take time. Yeah. Thank you for pointing out that I think we should all have a certain number of people on our caseload that we are assisting because it's the right thing to do and Mm. they need assistance. So that's beautiful. The other thing you said was you're the type of yoga therapist that wants to self-empower people instead of making them say dependent on you. Can you tell us Mm -hmm. a little bit more about that? Because I think that's one of the things that differentiates yoga therapy from a lot of other healing modalities is that we've been successful when the person is self-empowered enough to Mm -hmm. make on life with their own 
heart and soul and mind. So can you speak a little bit about that? Yes, I think this is the, the well the core of the work. And the funny part is actually in all my nursing studies in the, as a basic nurse or as especially in the community psychiatric nursing, this is like one of the most important things. So we learn always empowerment and being in your own power. We say that we call this in Dutch being in your own power. We read books about it and this is super important. And at the end of the day, we are not doing it <laughs> because the, the system does not allow this to happen because then, and then at the same time, we need to follow certain structures and especially time and insurance structures and all kinds of protocols. We need to work according to certain protocols, which actually uh, makes it very difficult to offer people space because I think space is a code word. Here's a very important word, space and time to figure it out, like what actually is my power and where, uh, who am I and where can I ground my feet, like in this moment, but also in life, like who am I and how did I end up here and how can I really start to underline my own qualities? Like, first of all, what mm -hmm. are my qualities? And it's sometimes so difficult for people. It takes some time and space to, to figure it out. And if it's not there and you need to follow a protocol and it's like, yeah. <laughs> and move them through the system and show these improvements every week on this chart. And, and I exactly. Think yeah. That's one thing people, at least in the United States are saying, Oh, we want to be covered by insurance and we want to be licensed. And I think people don't understand that with that comes exactly what you're talking about. Exactly. It's not like we get yeah. to have all the time and space and then the insurance company pays us all this money we end up getting very little money from the insurance company forced practically to use a protocol approach, you know, X amount of minutes with the client, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think it, it changes yoga therapy to the point of maybe well, we don't even recognize it right now. I, I choose to not being covered by the insurance, even like, it's not, it's not even, possible like it's but you know i we could go in that direction to make it possible and i went there like i was going there i was uh, mm -hmm. trying to set up an organization and i was putting a lot of energy in that direction until i realized wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute is this really what we want actually so it's very interesting at the same time because this was like my personal individual solo practice has yeah, still it's a little bit like this but I'm thinking bigger in setting up a bigger, like creating a, a bigger organization for mm -hmm. yoga therapy, like integrative yoga therapy, a broad spectrum support for trauma, treatment for trauma and other things. But I think trauma is the base of everything, let's say. So I'm looking for a solution, how to make it financially work to create a bigger organization where more people can be helped or the insurance can be involved but they cannot overpower the organization. They mm. cannot control like how we do the, how we do our work, because I think this is where things are going a little bit wrong because yeah. it's also happening in other parts of healthcare. And I don't think that's always very healthy. Like it's, it's works now, like it, it, things are rolling, but I, I think it can be much better. Like we make quantity, but I'm not sure if the quality is still there. And I love to work from a quality base. And another thing that is important 
is that is inclusive for everybody. So also the mm. people without too much money and especially also that group of people. I would love to serve the people that are not working because they are somewhere in between whatever in society. Like I love to work and I did a lot of work with psychosis and schizophrenia and those are often people who are not in the working markets anymore. They're not producing, they're not working, they're... But that also means they're just sitting at home and uh, not, having not that much income. Mm. So how can they afford like 100 euros per hour for therapy a year long? It's not possible. Yeah. That's why I'm doing this for free for some people, because I do want to support some people. But yeah, well, I have some really exciting ideas about that, which I'll talk about in the end of the show after I let mm -hmm. you go. But I don't want to take away from your time talking about yeah. those ideas. So, you know, one of the questions I asked you going into this interview was, what do you think the most important mechanism or tool is that makes yoga therapy work? And you talked mm -hmm. about us being generalist and specialist. So can you talk mm -hmm. a little bit about that? Yeah, there's so much to say here, first of all, because I think that the, the tools are individually, the tools are very beautiful, but also what makes yoga very special, yoga therapy very special, is that we have the whole set of tools that we as a generalist can use in a, in a balanced way. And I think in this way, it doesn't matter who is in front of us, but we can just serve everybody. And that, can, that's, can I we, think, can we back up and just have you list off like 10, we can do it together if you want, like 10 tools mm -hmm. in the yoga therapy toolbox. Cause we even have 200 hour yoga teachers, trainers listening now and physicians mm -hmm. and nurses that are like, what is yoga therapy? So when, when you say we have mm -hmm. all these tools, what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. Well, when I, what I see in, uh, in, in my, even today in my, in my doctor's office, where I have a very short time with, uh, with people, I see many people, I'm using quite some tools already. And I think the first most important one is awareness. And there's only that tool. And it's, you know, you could skip by it very, uh, very quickly because you think, yeah, well, awareness, that's, uh, that's so, such a, easy one and we already know and this is mindfulness and everybody did a eight-week mindfulness course and we know about of course awareness yes but then if you really stop a moment there in this subject of awareness because if you are really practicing awareness you can add on a lot of qualities to this awareness you can like in what way do you want to be aware towards yourself and maybe notice where are you first of all and in what way what are the qualities of your awareness like, do you always point out all the mistakes you make or how stupid you are or what is your awareness? What are you aware of? And how can we train ourselves to becoming aware in a way that is actually helpful? And this sounds super basic and simple, but if that could be, be a, the whole practice in itself. And I like agree. loving and loving kindness with curiosity, with compassion, with patience. Patience, I love it. This is such an, again, sounds so simple, but I could make a whole series of sessions about like the awareness and patience and how Mother Earth is our example here and how we can combine this. Like it can be already very beautiful. And mm -hmm. if you look at the tool of awareness and then you look at the how, the, the qualities of this tool, then you can look to all the other tools because all these tools, you can see them separately, but you can also add like different qualities that you can add to the different tools. 
So then it becomes such a complete and full box. So let's say awareness. We can say focus, like maybe more meditative practices eh, to mm -hmm. maybe learn focus. We have mantra. We can combine those with awareness, with, a, with compassionate or curiosity, awareness. We can use a mantra and to reach maybe a state of meditation. <laughs> so mm -hmm. you can combine or all these. A bhavana, visualization. Bhavana, and like, the, what, what do you want to cultivate here? Breathing, a, very pranayama. Breathing, pranayama. Like, you can use them by itself. You can use those together. And if you're using a mantra meditation, of course, you are using the breath already. You can bring in some asana. So you can move your, your arms up as you're inhaling and you lower your arms down with a mantra, for example. If focus is more your thing, then maybe you repeat the mantra five times as you lower your arms. Like there is a world of combinations possible. And I love it because we can use those as little techniques separately and we can make it into one practice or a series of practices. You, so you here know, in my doctor's... Yeah? Oh, I just want to say when you're talking, I'm just seeing those beautiful little Russian dolls where one little doll is inside a little bit bigger doll. Yeah, yeah. Like... Or you can take all the dolls apart and put them separate. That's what I'm so, imagining. Yeah. Ah, that is so nice. And then depending on what, uh, what kind of person you are, you put the dolls uh, perfectly aligned so you know exactly what to expect from big to small. Or maybe you're a person, you put the dolls all over the place and it makes you a little bit clear. Or actually you are not a person like that. But you do put uh, the dolls in all the different places because you need a little bit of that energy. Maybe if you're, you're more leaning towards depression and you're like, no, 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 tell me where the dolls are. Tell me the tools. And maybe you actually want to explore a little bit like, oh, there's a hidden tool. Or how can we use a tool that you didn't expect? So to get people a little bit, maybe in a different kind of energy in that moment. Yeah. Or maybe, um, I don't know if you, you understand what I mean. Yes, like, I yes. Would just keep using Absolutely. your, your that, doll example. And, and I think that's yeah. what makes, I mean, think of how many different mantras are out there. Think of how many different movements are out there. How many different yeah. breathing techniques for energizing and calming. How many different intentions, visualizations. I mean, the combination of just those, say, four or five tools, yeah. which is even Endless. a small number. <laughs> We haven't talked about ritual. We haven't talked, you know, yeah. it's endless. And it's, as you point out, it's specific to the individual and it's not protocol driven. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit yeah. about that. For example, I was just working with a woman. She came here in my practice and she did a mindfulness course before she told me, like she, she's telling a lot of things. I'm asking a lot of questions. That's my job. So I got to know a lot of this person and now she is stuck because everybody was telling her she needs to do this mantra, everything is going to be okay. I said, okay, well, <laughs> with all this information, do you allow me to try to create something that, you know, that maybe you, you can take home to practice? And she, she would like it. So we stood up from this chair and then already she said, wow, that's so different because she's always sitting in a chair and start thinking. So we stood up and there was the sun was shining inside of the room. So we were standing with our face in the sun from just behind the, the window. And this is actually a practice I've learned from my teachers, Iji mm. Mohan, Indra Mohan. And all are already standing there, just that. And then from there, I said, 
you know, don't worry if you, if, you know, it's, it's not going to be very difficult. We're just going to bring a little bit movement here and a mantra and well, just try to, to follow me and just try to do it and, and see how, how it makes you feel. So it was very simple, bringing the hands up with the inhalation and bringing the hands down with the exhalation. And then we were opening the palms with the inhale, chanting mantra one time, and then bring the fingertips onto the chest. And, you know, this was the mantra also that was uh, related to the sun. And I'll explain to her just the qualities of the sun that we're looking for. So it's not the ball that is hanging there. It's like the, the qualities in the sun. And the beauty of it, those qualities are already within you. And the more words and the more Dutch sentences we're using, the more reason you have to think or, you know, your mind is just going all over the place. And it's, it makes you tired, right? And, and you're missing the point because what you really try to do is bring yourself in the moment and have this beautiful affirmation, actually, she was using. She called it a mantra. Like many people, they, they mix those words a little bit. And actually, when she said everything is going to be okay, it was really pushing her to everything must be okay. And she didn't really, she wasn't able to connect to these words, so I thought that's like, I don't know, she maybe was reading it somewhere or she she got it from somewhere, but it didn't really connect. So it's not the right thing for her in this moment. But I did know that she was willing to use a certain practice like this. So I made it very more simple and she is so much cognitive in her head. So I used Sanskrit words. She didn't understand that word. So it was way easier for her to focus on the moments and on her breath. And not on the meaning of the of the word so much. I love that. You know, I think so many times when we just say words to ourselves, it almost gets blocked. Like the prefrontal mm-hmm. cortex is so active and it's well, I don't like that word or that didn't happen mm-hmm. in my life. And you're you're literally almost meditating on unhelpful things and fighting with yourself as opposed to exactly. what I heard you just say. <laughs> was just feel it, experience it, see if these qualities resonate with you, use your body a little bit so it's an embodied experience and not just a cognitive experience. Yeah. And also, uh, because she's a person who is very cognitive, like perfectionistic, driven, like to burnout, always high functioning. And she's like, I don't know myself anymore. Like I'm not all that right now because I'm home with burnout and now who am I? And, and there's so much thinking about all that and what she should be and should have done. And so I allowed her to practice with the mantra that she didn't understand. And I was checking in with her if she was okay with that. Like, are you able to do this? Can can you surrender to this not knowing for a moment? And and she could. And actually, it was really relaxing for her. And she said, wow, I hear the birds also outside. And it was so nice. And this was like a two-minute practice, you know. It was so simple. And and then afterwards, because she is this cognitive person, I did explain a little bit to her. And she said, well, I don't, I don't know if I can remember everything. Should I write it down? I said, no, 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 no. We do this the Hawaiian way. Just <laughs> I tell you a story and you see what sticks and the stuff that doesn't stick, you know, it's okay. It's, and it's actually pretty simple what I'm going to say anyway. Because, mm-hmm. you know, um, I was uh, working with oh, Mitraya, Mitraya mm-hmm. Namaha. I said, this yeah, is just yes. one of the names of the sun. So it's about the qualities of the sun. Warm. The sun is friendly. Mitra. Yeah. 
yeah, yeah. So it's befriending. I said, it's really about befriending and it's not about you must remember and you're pushing yourself. This is about friendship and what, you know, so we had this little conversation about friendship, super nice. And actually as, as it has a lot to do with everything that we were just practicing. Yeah. Without the feeling that she had to remember everything or it became a very cognitive kind of Thing, you know what I mean? Feel that lightness, spaciousness, friendliness, that kind of yeah. overall sense of well-being. Then you've accomplished yeah. it. You got it right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But that was actually the only the only thing that I was trying to to do here with this practice is giving her this experience. And actually she was very excited about it. She's like, oh, I really want to try this at home. So do you, is there a place in your house where you can sit in the morning or stand and then uh, facing the sun with your face? Oh, yeah, I can sit there. So we were thinking a little bit about what location she would choose in her house. You know, beautiful. it's so integrative. I love it. Yeah, It is so integrative, you know, and this is why it's hard to explain to someone in 30 seconds what we do, right? Because yeah. that person might have something very different than another client, right? It's yeah, hard yeah. to explain. How would you define yoga therapy to someone in a few short sentences? In this doctor office is great because I can have these little experiences and you don't have to explain much anymore because people mm. feel it, right? But I would, how would I explain it? I would, I would say, well, actually yoga therapy is just yoga. It's not another thing. It's yoga but we apply it for people who uh, actually have complaints. We try to support the person in finding solutions to these complaints. And specific yes, to them. Yeah, and, specific and, to and them. And yeah. Using many more tools than the average yoga class, which is mainly asana. Yeah. Exactly. It's often, yeah, or sometimes the breath, or there are some tools, but I think it's, it's, it's very important to see the person uh, who's in front of you and make it like specifically for this person. And also the one-on-one -on -one situation, I think it's very important. And in this situation, and it comes back to the empowerment, I try to help a person so that they can create their own tool. Like now, this for this woman, this was like the first time, but if I'm really working with somebody in yoga therapy, well, in the beginning, you just also teach the tools and what is asana, what is the bread, and there's different, you teach some different things. But I always try to give back the power to them, like, okay, what would you choose? Like, mm -hmm. uh, do, which one do you like better? So we can do this or this. And the, and because they're asking me, do I need how many times? Well, how, how much time do you have in your day? And do, do I need to do this in the morning or in the evening? And I'm like, okay, go, go try. And next time when I see you, We'll, we'll see what works best for you. And for some people, people who need to, to learn a little bit more self-compassion, they choose the day that, of the moment that fits them better. And people working with addictions, I, I say, what is more difficult for you in the morning? Okay, we go for the morning. So that also depends a little bit on the person. So yeah, but that will feel resistant. Yeah, but that's, you know, and if you're really in a, in, a, in a change management situation, then maybe this is where you want to work with. And if you explain this, so psychoeducation is very important, I think. Like if you explain, I always explain about what is yoga and I can talk in storytelling and they really like to listen to that. 
And then uh, I'll explain something about the polyvagal theories, like standards. Everybody who works with me, they know about yoga, they know about the polyvagal, they know about internal family systems, they know about all that stuff. So even if you're a client or you're in my therapy trainings or whatever training, you get to know all that stuff. So you really become very empowered because you, you understand your system. And like, okay, how are we gonna, what's your story again? What is your story? What's going on? And what do you think fits you? How would you do that for yourself? Yeah. What, and also what do, you what do you like to do? What do you feel attracted to? And then create, and to guide this kind of situation, you can wake well, me up for that. I, I love it. Say, it's like, dream it's like a dream world, right? To get Seriously. to help people come into communion and connection with their deepest self again. Like how, who, who doesn't want to do that? Of course, but how crazy that I never felt this excited. Like, of course, I felt always very excited about my work because I'm like, I'm, I'm an, I'm a helper. Like that's, I'm a nurse by nature. I think I'm really a nurse by nature, but still, uh, I don't know. I was never that excited about, yes, I can uh, put a needle in somebody. <laughs> muscle. You know, although I honestly, I kind of liked it a little bit, but that's another topic. <laughs> we won't go there. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, but, you know, it's, you it should take part that of to my your job. mentor. <laughs> yeah, no, it's part of the job. And, you know, these are just skills that I was, I was just injecting people. I didn't, never mind uh, doing all these technical things as well. But yeah. So, Annika, you spent a lot of time helping us understand what you do as a psychiatric nurse and as a yoga therapist to help people cultivate qualities that will improve their life, give them a sense of well-being. How about you when you have difficulties or disappointments either at work or in your personal life? How do you handle that? That's a good question. And actually a few, a few different things are popping up in my mind. Well, first of all, practice what you preach. So I'm trying my best to practice what I preach. And also, well, the education, the, the, the psychoeducation I'm teaching others. Of course, I'm also integrating this and learn so much about the system myself. And like, it's very hopeful. I feel that also me, I know that all the qualities that I need are already within me. Even when I feel insecure or of course that happens to me as well or i'm not feeling good enough this is actually a big one <laughs> not feeling i should i belong here i i should be in front of this training and then of course i i know i studied so hard and i know i have so much experience and still feeling our like our thoughts coming from deep inside, like, yeah, who do you think you are teaching other people about that stuff? And, you know, these insecurities. And so realizing that also me, I'm dealing with my parts and with the things that happened in my life. And also I am doing my best to underline my, my qualities and to grow, grow, grow my, my inner companion or however you want to call it and strengthening my, yeah, my yeah. inner self with a, your own with a friendly sunshine. <laughs> yeah, my own little friendly sunshine. And honestly, there is the practices that I that I that I teach and that you know what we were talking about. Of course, I practice myself as well. And it was really helpful for me to learn these practices from my teachers and study so much with them. And the last time I was with them in India, it was actually in 2020 mm. <laughs> before all the craziness started. 
And in the beginning of 2020, I was in Chennai and south in Tamil with the Mohans. Mm. And so a team that I was working with already for a little bit longer, like for quite some years, I think, but especially in that retreat there was like 10 days of devotion. And mm. this devotion practice is very helpful for myself because I feel after going back and forward with asana and, you know, and doing all these kind of things with the, like, I'm, I keep doing this, but there's one, one thing that I, I didn't dive super deep into because it's, I don't know, I felt also some resistance from, from inside coming from a religious background. And I was, I'm not like anti-religion or whatever, because I, with curiosity, I explored a lot of stuff in my life, but still I was exploring, but going a little bit deeper, that's something else, like really feeling, allowing myself to go a little bit deeper and really find what is there. And and of course, India offers a great opportunity, not only India, but also being with my teachers, you know, that is one great opportunity, but also being in India, being alone in Chennai, also the, the chance to wander around and see to what I, my heart really feels connected or attracted. A little bit odd, I thought. And again, there's all these little voices, like, what do you, you know, what do you think? What do you know about all this stuff? I was like, okay, I'm just wandering around, see where my connection brings me. And this actually was a very beautiful, beautiful journey. And I ended up finding this little temple and I found in the corner of the temple, a little, this building temple. And there was this goddess figure. And I was actually putting my eye on Lakshmi. That was a little bit, I was like following Lakshmi, but I ended up with only a small Lakshmi sitting on the knee of uh, Harigriva. So this is the, the, the God with um, with a with a horse head, and I don't know why, but it just I just kept being attracted to the statue. And before I knew, I was like going crazy in Chennai, finding another temple, and a feeling really sad if I couldn't find the temple. And and I was like, what What's going on here? Why you know? Why am I feeling sad? That I could... and still it was a little bit hard to to understand what I was doing and why I was doing it. But that was not my goal. I wanted to just explore and see if I could open myself a little bit deeper to this. So this was the beginning. And then this whole retreat followed where I just, you know, there was just a, a deepening of understanding of the, just the, the philosophy of the yoga and, and the devotion part and the surrendering to to what? Like, what, what does that mean right. for me? So it's a lot. Yeah. So it's very much about meaning finding to me, which is a very important topic. Because if you look at that subject, then the, the average daily things can become like a spiritual practice. And I think this is also a, an issue with a lot of people these days, like the missing of meaning and finding meaning in little things or maybe in stories or nature, especially that started a really beautiful journey for me and also realizing and, and respecting myself for, you know, having a background as I have, like very religious, uh, but in a direction that I didn't want to go. And then so back to, okay, need to figure it out myself. What is the meaning of life and what is the meaning of death and, and, and exploring these topics of life and death is, 
I think is very precious and it's a very important ingredient also for me personally in the place where I am in my life it's very important to feel grounded and also to start to understand certain things like certain things about myself why I reacted in a certain way like of course then going back from Chennai to the Netherlands very different <laughs> situation and there's no temples here and I really miss it a little bit also just to mm. I don't really know why, but I do feel attracted to certain things. And I feel this very much with India, and but also very much with Hawaii, for example. Don't ask me why, but for me, this like I really feel like uh, I've been there in, in a past life or something. Which brings me to nature, because when I think of Hawaii and I think of nature, been there many times though in Hawaii, I feel so attracted. And also the surfing and like I'm not a good surfer or anything like this, but I love what nature can teach us and what we can learn from these activities. Or one little example that I can give, and that's how I started also when I start I started to say, like, I can you know pick up my surfing here. Like I said, I'm not a good surfer. I feel like super much like a beginner. But when I was in Hawaii 15 years ago, I was dating. An American guy who's living in Hawaii. So that's why I was there for longer times and many times. And we went surfing often, but I was feeling like I was working like crazy, pedaling, 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 pedaling. I worked so hard, pedal, 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 and missing almost every wave, which was fine. <laughs> I was like, I'm a beginner. It's okay. I still enjoyed it. Like, I had a good workout. Really, yeah, I got a crazy workout and, uh, and I really enjoyed it anyway. Last Sunday, I was in the waves and there was a very beautiful experience because I was there 15 years later, again on the waves, and I didn't pedal so hard. And I felt like, ah, the wave's coming. And actually, I just have to move my body a little bit, pedal a little bit. And instead of me trying to catch the wave, the wave was catching me. So mm -hmm. back to surrendering and nature and I'm learning, and this is, I think, it's a result of all these practices. If it's yoga, if it's my journey in Chennai, or, you know, my yoga journeys, surfing, nature, I am okay to not work my ass off and try to grab it and try to do it well. I can allow myself to be carried by nature. Wow, this like almost makes me cry if I, if I think about that. I felt this was such an important moment to feel that I was carried by the wave. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and, yes. and it's so hard to put into words because it's not a cognitive experience, but yeah. is there any way to describe how to allow that to happen? Because so many of us want to be carried by the wave. So many of us love the idea of surrender, but getting on top of the wave through surrender it's like a mystery. So yes. what, what experience did you have that allowed you to wait for the wave to carry you? Well, I think this experience of me were carried by the wave was kind of a result of the earlier things that I've mm. been doing or even more undoing. I think it's yeah. like one of these moments where I where it becomes very clear of what I've been doing these past years and especially these past 2 years I think were like you know challenging for many people 
and eye-opening in many different ways for many people and reflecting on life and death for many people also for me and I've been waking up to a, a few ideas and I feel like aha <laughs> this is this is so profound and it, yes it's 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 too simple almost to explain like well it was I felt like I was carried by nature that's it but, but this but is you, not you set the intention mm-hmm. 2 years earlier and My started God. exploring yeah. the intention to surrender like you weren't even sure it sounds like that you wanted to surrender mm-hmm. what that meant so i didn't just, know yeah so it was also trust it was there's i think another key word here is trust and that's not something you can buy on a market it's not something that you can but this is a practice and something that slowly over time you start to understand a little bit deeper and deeper but trust in what <laughs> what do i trust and in my background growing up very religiously which was not my thing feel like like so what is actually the meaning of life and what is this my spirituality i have to figure it out with curiosity trying to figure it out now starting to i feel plucking a little bit of fruits of that like i find my own spiritual grounding here and for me right now and in the stage where i am now it's called mother earth like for me this is really the um, and and i know because whenever i i i say that i feel it i really i also think back to certain moments the most difficult moments in my life and i was thinking why actually did i feel not afraid like i was dying almost once and i wasn't afraid and all of a sudden i start to understand now years later you know i felt carried but i didn't know i i just felt it but more and more and this is also through practice and understanding and etc i start to understand why i did feel carried and this is personal it's not like my story and yeah. my feeling of being carried it's for everybody no but i think it's beautiful if we can help people in their own personal journey to find like who am i and what actually is carrying me right because i believe that we all are carried <laughs> you know if yes. not mother earth then it's whatever father sky or it is maybe your own bubble i don't know but or each other definitely like our community because we are, i do think we are all connected so either way but we're not all alone just flying objects in space that i don't think we are we are mm-hmm. dead no. you know we, but, although sometimes i feel like that like pew, i'm going all directions but no i'm just kidding but, but yeah but what i love that you just said is especially in this instance when you may have been dying you felt it and when you said you're out there surfing you felt it I think that's the mm-hmm. key. Again, it's not cognitive. You can't think your way into surrender. You can't think your way no. through being supported. You have to feel your way. And just how you wandered around through Chennai looking for temples and seeing mm-hmm. what you were drawn to, you had a willingness to explore. You mm-hmm. trusted yourself enough to walk alone and feel and breathe and sense Hayagriva mm-hmm. and Lakshmi. Like that willingness to do that journey 
is yeah. the foundation of what happened to you last Sunday when you were carried. Exactly. And I don't think we have to get to total surrender or get to being carried today. We just have to set the intention, start to exactly. explore. Like it's not something you can plan anyway. It's not, right. it's not like, okay, last Sunday, let's, let's get this experience of surrendering and being carried. It's not like that. Yeah. It just, it just happened to you. And it's like, it's just a small moment because it's just like, we the waves catch and like, ah, and then it happened again. So thank God it happened a few times. I was like, aha, this is how it, this is how it works. That is interesting. <laughs> you understood the assignment. <laughs> yes, yes. But I do know that we can practice this. I, this is why back to the empowerment this is not why i'm not telling a person this is how you should breathe this is why i'm inviting a person let's see if you can try to notice your own breath and maybe you notice your own rhythm and maybe you you know find your own rhythm find your own breath find find your way your own way because mm -hmm. th that's the only that's that's the only place where you can actually at the end of the day find yourself like you're you are not finding yourself in my landscape well right. now we are a little bit hanging around in each other's landscape which is great inspirational fun everything but at the end of the day yeah it's all that but you will find yourself in your own landscape and maybe you meet me there hi but you know what i mean you're in the center of your universe i'm in the yeah. center of my universe and we can wave to each other and blow kisses. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I completely, and that's yoga, right? Yeah. You, know, you go all the way back to like Yoga Sutra 1.3. It's that the goal is to find you, your yeah. deepest connection with you. And yeah. how would I know what that is for Annika or how would Annika know what that is for Amy? Yeah, you exactly. Give me some ideas of how to explore or yeah, exactly. try that outfit on for size. And then let's talk about it and see if it resonated with you or not. And maybe some people have no idea where to start. Okay. Well, I can help you with that because, you know, I can make a, even a whole series for you, but we're not going to say this is the series. And we're also not going to keep doing this forever. Maybe this is just a start as to give you an impression of what it could be. But <laughs> at the end of the day, it's like, you know, and even if you are a person who likes to use a build series, for example, in yoga, it's still how you are dealing with yourself going through that series. But eventually, I hope people are empowered to be able. And even if it's only three asanas and, and 10 minutes, but if that, if you create it for yourself, I find it more profound than doing two hours practice made by somebody else and you know i rather have somebody just start to create for themselves like it's like a but for some people it's a little bit more difficult than for others others are really open and curious about yeah, let's do this and for others there and you know that's you know over time as a yoga therapist we learn also the skill to to help a little bit more here or there but at the end of the day the the, the core of the project is you can do this yourself. And, um, and I think it's, I think uh, that's so important to know what the end game is yeah. because it really informs the beginning, the middle and close to the end, right? That if mm -hmm. the goal is self-empowerment and bringing people back to the center of their own universe, that's a very different goal than 
I need you to straighten your leg in this way. And I need you to take a six count inhale to please me. And you know, Mm -hmm. that it's, it's just a completely different paradigm that we're working with. Totally. Yeah. It's just another thing. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's another thing. I think it goes back to your experience in Chennai. The reason that we can trust, even after maybe we've had some childhood trauma around religion or cults or, you know, whatever it might be, Mm -hmm. even adult experiences in those areas, the reason we can trust is because we're coming back to self. We're not Mm -hmm. surrendering to a human that's going to control us. We're surrendering Mm -hmm. to ourselves and committing to being true to ourselves. That's just a whole different deal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or something that's even bigger than myself. And I don't, you know, but that's maybe that, maybe that is like, like we all, I think have energies around us that are larger than ourselves, but they are like Mm -hmm. something connected to me and it's larger. And then it's, it's merging with (laughs) your energy. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Like we are kind of in our, in in each other's fields, although we are thousands of miles away right now. You know? Yeah. I feel it. I feel it. Yeah. 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 Me too. We're getting close to the end of our time. I would love for people to know how they can be part of your field. <laughs> is this a current website? Yeah, this is this is just my anakasips.com. The network yoga therapy is another place. This is fine as well. This is just like a one pager with some information about me. So anakasips.com and then the other one is networkyogatherapy.com. I'm going to pull that one up for you YouTube <laughs> visitors. A lot of people don't know this but now that we're having our year anniversary of this podcast, we're taking all of the podcasts to YouTube because some people prefer oh, yeah, yeah, to watch great. them. So the people who are seeing this starting May 2nd, you're going to start seeing a lot of episodes from season one and season two on YouTube. And you can see Annika's second website. It says for all who care network yoga therapy blends basic yogic knowledge, permaculture, nutrition, and modern insights logically for physical health, emotional wellness, and spiritual freedom. Yes. So here, just information about me and about network yoga therapy, the things that we offer are there. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So is there anything you'd like to finish with today, Annika? We seek health and we got lost in cures. I feel this was a problem that we mm-hmm. were facing with. And more and more, I'm feeling the sentence, I am health and I am the cure. And I think this is something I would like to end this up with. Like, yeah, I'm wishing for for everybody to to be able to find, you know, and even through another journey or whatever, but find their way home within themselves, especially in these challenging times for many people where mental health is, you know, a little bit out of control, I see around me. And I hope I can inspire as many people as possible. And also through these kind of things like the podcast. So thank you very much for this stage, let's say. Yeah. So I hope, uh, I hope that more and more and more people start to see that they are actually the, carrying the cure within themselves. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you for listening to this episode with Annika Sips from the Netherlands. 
I found it very nourishing and everything that she talked about, I could so relate to. One of the little things I'd like to kind of circle back to is this idea of finding like clinics or, or ways to practice yoga therapy, maybe with insurance, maybe without insurance, but the kind of ability to have people come to a place for health and healing and beyond. By beyond, I mean spiritual connection. And how if we get into the insurance game, some of that could be dictated to us. And I think Annika and I both feel that we don't want to be told how long we have to work with the client and if we have to cut it off after 11 minutes to move to the next one that we want to work in an integrative and holistic way, but that it has to be financially sustainable to do that. And so I've been really kind of experimenting with ideas on how could that work. And one of the things that has been mulling around in my mind is that there are many centers out there already, addiction centers, wellness centers, hospitals, that would love yoga therapy, but maybe they can't afford to pay full-time yoga therapists. So maybe there's a way for some of us that have yoga therapy schools, my school is called the Optimal State Yoga Therapy School, to have internship sites because all of our students need 150 hours of practicum or internship. Maybe there's internship sites out there that would like to invite our students to either do telehealth or if they're local, they could come in online. And of course, there would be some expense towards that and they may need a grant to kind of oversee the administration of that. But I think it's a really good model to start contemplating. And we have many students that already work in healthcare centers and psychological centers that have started talking to me about this, like, hey, I'm getting paid at my job to do this work as a nurse, as a wellness coordinator, as a you know, hospital director. I'd like to make this an internship site for Optimal State students. Are you interested? And I'm saying, yes, let's start that conversation. It's a win-win for everyone. So after Annika and I stopped taping, she told me about some of her ideas, which I won't repeat here because she didn't give me permission to at this point, but she also has some really phenomenal ideas about how yoga therapy could start to enter into healthcare and into psychological services and create this win-win situation. Now with that, she and I both agree there needs to be abundance. I'm about 10 years older than her. And like her, I have been paddling my little heart out for about 25 years for yoga therapy, trying to catch the wave. I'm paddling. There's the wave. Where is it? I want to find it. And as she said in the podcast, what if we sat back like Lakshmi with open arms and said, I'm ready for the wave to carry me? And that's how I feel. I feel like I've put in a lot of great work. And I know many of you are in the same situation. And we are ready for 
opportunities to, to carry us that at the very least we can work together for, right? That we don't have to put in so much work and hurt our own selves, our nervous systems, our time with family, that there's got to be some wave-like quality that helps to carry us too. So just, you know, setting that intention, as we talked about, to be carried, to allow ourselves to be carried, to surrender, and to know that the goodness is out there. So one of the ways that I would like to invite you to help carry this podcast, which has five people working for it, and it's 25,000 downloads now as of May, 2022, and we're growing all the time. We want to create transcripts of each episode. We are expanding to YouTube now. We're taking many of the episodes from season one and season two, and we're bringing them to YouTube. So you can revisit them or use them in your curriculum with you know anything that you're teaching. You could show some of them. And we have obviously wonderful experts all over the world. And so we have also started a Patreon page. It's called Optimal State and Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. And we're asking for your support. We're asking you to be the wave that helps to carry us as we do this good work in the world. And we have different tiers from $4 a month all the way up to $20 per month, tier one, two, three, and four. And there's a lot of content in addition to audios and videos of the podcast. We have a lot of other content we'll be offering through and exclusive to the Patreon channel. In addition, we'll have some very special things just for you if you're a Patreon for us. So please enjoy being part of the wave that carries this Yoga Therapy Hour podcast. And we look forward to receiving that support from you. Thank you. Please don't forget to sign up for our newsletter mailing list, where we give you a free gift every single week. It's usually something that the guest has been talking about, like a book chapter or an article or an infographic. Check out the show notes for that. Thank you for listening today. Don't forget, we have a new YouTube channel called Optimal State with Amy Wheeler. We also have a new Patreon page where you can support us to bring you the most excellent content, and that is Optimal State and the Yoga Therapy Hour Patreon page. Also, you could write us a review on most major platforms that host podcasts. Give us five stars if you appreciate the show and tell us what you love so that we can do more of that. Finally, we support several nonprofit organizations through this podcast. See the show notes to understand how you can help. If you'd like to be a guest or a sponsor for this program, contact us at the email welcome at theoptimalstate.com. Welcome at theoptimalstate.com. And finally, a special thank you to our team here at Optimal State. We are truly a global family. George Mantuan, one of our executive producers. Adam Satchel, senior media producer and sound engineer from the Philippines. Krishna Panchal, a producer from Canada. Modupe Abdullahi, who does the show notes and is an editor for us from Nigeria. And Peter Morley, 
who wrote and produced the music for this show, who lives in Australia. Find more about Peter's work at www.zenmusic.biz. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.